many of us in this world find ourselves searching for ways to feel more alive. We move through our lives day after day, living through the same repetitive cycles and the same stressful patterns that often leave us feeling defeated, underappreciated, or unfulfilled. But what if there were a different way to perceive life? What if out there we were able to find the keys to a happy, healthy, and fulfilling reality in the lives that we're living right here, right now? For those of us who are looking for a way to transform our lives, for those of us who are looking to fully live in this moment, to change how we feel, how we perceive the world, and awaken to a better reality so we can fully live this life. This is the Live This Life Podcast. And I'm your host, Heath Cummings. I'm here to inspire you to ask yourself the question, are you living or are you killing time? Hey, what's going on, everybody? Hope you've had an awesome week. Hope that you got the most out of life's experiences. I know that this week I have, as I usually try to, I'm always a little overly dramatic with what I go through in my life because I'm in it and so passionate about so many different things and do so many different things. And I always try to find the higher purpose in everything that I experience in my life, good and bad. And this week was no different. This week I wrapped up a very long and difficult and important phase of my life. Um, it was a journey that I began back in 2007 and one that I'll likely still be on in one, some way, shape, or form for the rest of my life. Um, but for the most part, this journey's ended for me yesterday. Um, and it was my journey against cancer and everything that it has added to. I'll, you know, I'll say that first. It's added a lot of things to my life and uh, it's also taken away some things. It has both polarities to it. Um, but this week I had my final visit at the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute in Boston, Mass. After 10 years of being cancer-free, so celebrating that victory. Uh, it was a little delayed because of COVID, so technically last year was my, my 10-year anniversary uh, in 2020. Um, but I'm just now getting to my, my 2020 appointment now. Um, so we're almost at 11 years now, actually. But after a decade of clean health, they're moving me on in a way. They're graduating me in a sense, um, so they can monitor other higher priority patients, which is uh, really great and fortunate for me, and it's great that they're able to actually focus on the people who, who need it, um, because I don't, and I won't ever again, I'm going to put that out there, um, but I'll no longer be going there, and it's kind of a bittersweet experience for me because it's been such an awesome experience going there, but on the flip side, I'm definitely glad that I will never be going back and that I don't ever have to go back. But yeah, I had my final visit this week, clean bill of health. I, I really couldn't be any more grateful to Dr. Kevin Sweeney, who was my phenomenal um, oncologist. And I'll, I'll totally miss seeing this guy. You know, it, it's always a nerve-wracking experience to go there. Um, in the beginning, I had to go several times a year. And now, like later on, uh, it was just an annual thing. And it was always very nerve-wracking. You didn't know what was going to happen for the day. It's been a year since you'd been there. Who knows what can happen? A lot of things transpire in very short amount periods of time. Um, so, you know, you're there and you're getting run through all the labs and the radiology and they, they get all the data they need. And then you have your office visit at the end of the day. And he always made it such an, an absolutely pleasant one. Him and all the staff there. Um, it's just been an amazing, awesome experience. Uh, he was just an absolutely bright light that he brought to that place and what he brought to every one of my visits there. 
And it's just so much needed. People like him are so needed in this world and especially in that world uh, where he works, where he's an expert. So just so just so grateful. I can't say enough great stuff about him and all of the staff there at that uh, hospital. They have really restored my faith in the medical system because it was really waning from the two cancer experiences that I had. So if you're not familiar with my story, I'll do a quick recap. Um, but I had my first case of cancer at age 26 in 2007. Um, I was diagnosed in the springtime while my wife was about six months pregnant with our first and only son. And the hardest part of that story was the doctors had originally told me that uh, when I went to them with a concern, I found a, found a lump. And a particular doctor had told me that I didn't have cancer. He, he literally told me that I was being paranoid and offered me all sorts of tests that I could go through to put my mind at ease, but said it wasn't necessary and tried to write it off as some other condition that he, you know, he's an expert on. Um, and it really kind of made me feel foolish for thinking that it was cancer, which that in its own is really, really bad because it's hard enough for people to go and seek medical help sometimes. And especially someone who like I was back then. Um, you know, guy's guy, you know, somebody who didn't like going to the doctors in the first place, but to go there and put yourself out there and have a doctor poking around and not the type of experience that, you know, you want to have somebody tell you you're being paranoid and then find out later on you're not being paranoid. You know, I, I went on my merry way after that initial appointment. Uh, you know, I had it on the back of my mind and it was bothering me and my wife with his big pregnant belly said, you know, do you really want to miss out on, on the opportunity to miss your child? Is this really something you want to risk? Um, and if it was to worsen, you know, what's going to happen? So I listened to her, decided to go through the tests. The doctor made me again feel like a fool. And it was like, you know, okay, it's fine, whatever you want. We'll put you through it, but I'm telling you, you don't have cancer. And then needless to say, I went through the tests. They found out it was a malignant tumor and um, I had to go into post-cancer care. And needless to say, I, I switched away from that doctor as my primary and then I went to the local healthcare system here in Western Massachusetts, and really the the place that I was going to didn't hold up their end of the deal. Um, I ended up getting hooked up with another doctor who was not good as far as my my cancer specialist, and the guy had put me through a ridiculous amount of CAT scans, and um, one CAT scan can equal four years worth of background radiation that you get just from the regular environment around you. They're just the regular radiation you get from the sun and everything else that's around you. And a CAT scan will expose you to four years worth. And they were putting me through them every three months for the first few years. Um, so I'm going through this regimen and the technicians really started to get a little concerned. And in a very coincidental synchronistic meetup, um, one of the technicians happened to just be out on the river. We have this big river near us, and we used to go out there on summer days on a bunch of boats. And she just happened to be there. And she pulled me aside and said, you know, it's none of my business, but you go there so frequently and you get exposed to so much radiation. Why are you there? And I told her, you know, what I had had, the type of cancer that I had. And, and really, she was so blown away um, that she said, you know, it's such a low level of cancer it really doesn't require you to come in so frequently and um, they're, they're going to give you cancer if you keep on going this route. And, you know, don't tell anybody I told you this, but I really think you should seek another opinion on this whole thing. Um, so it was right around that time I was getting extremely nervous. I didn't know where to go. I didn't know what to do. And someone has suggested I go to this phenomenal cancer center. It's one of the best in the country, if not the world. And they just happen to be within an hour and a half of where I live. Um, before I actually started going there, though, 
I was diagnosed with my second case of cancer. The first one was a very low level, very survivable one, but the second one was very, very deadly, very contagious. Luckily, I caught it extremely early, um, but it was right where the CAT scans were focusing on for those years that they were they were scanning me every few months. Um, so my second cancer came and went. I opted out of chemo and radiation and went a more holistic route, which was extremely dangerous, extremely scary. I don't advocate for anybody to do it all. Um, obviously, you get all medical advice that you can seek. But I happened to be the lucky one. It was so early when I caught it that um, it wasn't too much of a risk. It was a very calculated one. Um, but anyways, I, on my post-cancer care, when I went down to Dana-Farber, I changed everything. I changed my diet, my lifestyle. Um, all of my stuff went down there, and they just treated me fantastic. Uh, and basically, we, we discovered how many CAT scans I really went through, and it was kind of the general consensus was unless you uh, get into a car wreck and you're bleeding internally, you probably should never have another CAT scan again um, because of all the radiation. So, yeah, I traveled about two, time, uh, what, two times a year for the first few years and then just once a year. And... And, you know, now this is the, the final one. And, um, you know, when I went there in the beginning, it was uh, it was really fearful. You know, you go there in this huge place and you just see nothing but people who are, are fighting really hard. And um, I was a relatively healthy guy ever since then. Other than the first year after I got out of the cancer, my immune system was all messed up. But for the most part, I'm there as a fairly healthy guy. And you're seeing people go through some some very difficult fights there. Um but when I started going there, it really changed my mindset. I really started to adopt the fact that I was never going to get cancer again. Um, and it was it was really a conversation that I had had with somebody while I was in the waiting rooms. It was long days when I went there. Appointments would start in the morning, and then by afternoon, you'd wrap up, and you'd be in all these waiting rooms. And I happened to be uh, with an older woman who um, she was just happened to meet up with her in these waiting rooms. I was kind of on the same circuit as her. And the conversation kind of picked up and left off a few times. You know, they, they always get curious when I was a young guy that was in there. I was like, you know, what, what are you here for? And the conversation would spin. And to really hear what she said, it matched some of the things that happened later on in my life about your mindset. And she said, you have to have a mindset to survive this, that this isn't going to be the death of you, that this is just a speed bump, and no matter what, you're going to be fine, you're going to be okay. She had been through this several times, and you know, she said the mindset is probably the most important thing. It's more important than who your doctor is and what type of cancer you have, because if you put it in your mind that you're not going to make it, you're definitely not going to make it. But if you have it in your mindset, no matter what, I am going to be fine, and I'm going to trudge through this, and I'm going to kick this thing's ass that's where you're going to be. Um, so it matches all the mindset stuff that I talk to you guys about all the time. But, um, you know, those experiences all happen for a reason. I couldn't be more grateful for just that conversation that happened years ago. And it was before I really got exposed to a lot of spiritual awakening type stuff. And it was just the beginning of those those opening doors and those beginning steps that I had in those early days. Um, but really, it, it, it changed my perspective. Uh, you know, how I look at every situation in life, um, I look at it all like a lesson that it's there to teach me something every day, day in and day out and crossing paths with people like that and becoming part of the survivor network as well. Um, all of that stuff was, was teaching me what it was actually like to live while you're alive, while you still have plenty of life left. And speaking of networks, the connections that I've made with all the people on this podcast, the emails that I continue to get, the reviews that keep coming in, um, it's been a phenomenal experience, just like all the others. And, you know, I've kind of been debating doing a Facebook group, but I really can't take on any more responsibilities right now. Um, 
but I think I'm just gonna stick with the live this life page for now. Somebody made that suggestion to me, suggestion to me recently about starting a Facebook group for live this life. Um, a lot of people commenting and sharing things, so it's great to see the activity pick up. Um, you know, I'd like to create that that community for everyone. Uh, it, to create a Facebook group, so I'm not saying it's out of the cards, but it, it is for the for the quick moment. Um, but it's it's great to see people connecting and having that sort of community and the and the snowball sort of getting bigger on that aspect. And if you haven't followed us on social media, you can check out the Facebook page, uh, the Instagram, the TikTok, which I haven't been huge on. I've I put a few things on the TikTok uh, account here and there, but not much recently. I try to stay off there for now. It seems to be certain f- fads of things that I just. I haven't been too much with TikTok, but it's there. And the YouTube channel is there as well. Um, Some videos going up on there. Still trying to work on the full-length episodes and get caught up. I think I'm only on like episode five or six as far as putting the full-length audios onto YouTube. So I only got about 65 more to go with every week, a couple coming out. Um, But also the rating and reviews that I always mention on every episode. They help us reach new listeners. And I really appreciate everything that comes in. Um, I'm going to read one today. This one I will read that it came on the heels of the last episode that I had with the amazing Tammy Wagstaff Hawks, um, who I'll say, by the way, we'll definitely be seeing more of. I've been chatting with her quite a bit since the episode, and um, we'll definitely be seeing more of her on the show in the coming months. But I had such a great time recording that one. We got connected and found out uh, later on that we had a mutual uh, friend connection in Ben Carroll, sound healer extraordinaire. Lead guitarist of my favorite band, Raw. Uh, but Ben had done a, done a sound healing at the studio that Tammy uh, used to run. And uh, amazing synchronistic connection right there. But um, we'll definitely be seeing more of Tammy to come. Uh, a lot of great response on her episode. And I'll read this review right here. This one says, All Things Spiritual with Tammy Hawks. And this one, this review is by EL1631, a five-star review, which thank you very much for that. This one says, what a beautiful podcast. Tammy explains so well how easy it is to connect to spirit. Also, how much our thoughts influence and are our reality. She is a gifted healer sent from God. The meditation at the end really allows you to connect and feel the vibration of the love she exudes. Loved this. Love this review, EL1631. Thank you so much for leaving it. And if you want to leave yours as well, uh, Apple Podcasts is probably one of the best places to do it. But you can pretty much leave comments and stuff all over the place. Uh, we're consolidating with a platform so we can bring all those comments to one place because it's like an Easter egg hunt to get out on all the platforms. Now, I think we're up to like 11 different platforms the podcast is on. Um, so I always say this, but I'm still out there hunting for whatever comments do come in and I will too much better to read them on the show since I'm always asking for these comments. But thank you so much for leaving them. And if you do as well, I will read them on the show. Good or bad, if you like them, the show or not, you want to leave something, I will read it. You got to always take the good with the bad. Fortunately, you haven't had any bad ones yet. But uh, whatever you leave, I will read it and it will be greatly, greatly appreciated. So when I was at Dana-Farber, I really realized how delicate the gift of life is. Um, seeing people of all ages who are there going through their experiences and seeing mine, how I was likely going to be fine through everything that I was going through and how people had it much worse off than me, but were in better spirits than me. I mean, that really helped put things in perspective and how it helped it changed a lot of what I was going through. Those experiences really led me to doing a whole lot of things differently in my life, from mindset to shifting my inner circle of friends that I had at the time. I had this really tight-knit group of people who I really considered family, 
but I realized how kind of judgmental and negative they really were and how I was following the same path, um, judging others and something I'm still trying to break the habits of now. Um, so we, me and my wife, made a lot of shifts in our lives. We took stock of a lot of different things that were going on. And this all cascaded into so much right around that same time. I, I cascaded into my career changes that happened a few years back. Um, we bought a new house. We shifted a lot of the people we were with. And I actually found myself spending a lot more time on my own, whereas my weekends were always with people. And I shifted to more of an introspective type of of person. I mean, I still get together with a lot of our friends a lot of the time, but you know, our our Thursday through Sunday nights were spent with with people always going out and doing things and um it shifted a lot. And I I think that was because I wanted to do a lot more introspection because I really did enjoy when I would step back and look at life and appreciate things a lot more. You just got a whole different feeling about yourself, a whole different vibration about yourself when you're in that state of gratitude and I really liked what I was seeing when I did it. But all that experience made me ask the question, why does it take it for us to to lose something or almost lose something before we appreciate it? We take things for granted so often in our lives. And I'm sure you do right now. In fact, if you can hear this podcast, imagine what it would be like if you didn't have the gift of, of being able to hear anymore. Um, you know, I think we fail to realize the value of something until it's gone from our lives. And sometimes that can include life itself. For so much of our lives, we, we chase happiness and we think that it's going to come to us in the form of something maybe that we don't have. But we don't realize often enough that it comes in the appreciation of what we do have. And I say it so many times on the podcast. I know sometimes I sound like a broken record and I apologize for it. But it's, it's I think, that whole best teach what we need to learn thing because... I beat the sand all the time myself on how miserable I can be during the Monday through Friday grind, um, which is an episode coming up very soon about um, you know the whole job situation. I got a great question from a listener the other day about that, so we're going to go in that direction. But even still, even appreciating the fact that I have a job right now because a lot of people don't, that helps put things into perspective. That helps get me out of that that mindset when I get driven absolutely insane by the people around me that I just need to be grateful for having that because the stress of not having that would probably be a lot worse. I know what that feeling is like, and I don't sympathize anybody who has to be in that situation right now. We so often don't realize how awesome life is until we are faced with the reality of not having that thing that we have anymore or that it's going to be cut short. I'll tell you, at age 26, it was scary as hell to have someone tell you you've got cancer. I mean, it, it can imagine it's scary at any age, no matter how old you are. But being so young, it's like, wow, I might not have that chance to do all of those things that I dreamed of doing, all those things that I said I was going to accomplish. I was going to go out there and change the world and do this stuff. And I'm not, I might not have that chance. No traveling, no, no watching your kid graduate from high school. You know, or in my case, maybe even not even meeting your kid because he wasn't even born yet. All of those things get put into this, quote, real category. You know, life just got real. It, it, up to that point, I, I was like this invincible meathead doing boxing, doing all the stuff that I was doing in, in law enforcement, doing all these crazy things, traveling, working, grinding things out. But, um, you know, nothing scared me, you know, and, and I was Mr. Indestructible, as tough as nails and always would be. It would always be that way. But this illness, it brought a sense of mortality in, and I'll never forget that shift. 
it made me mortal in what was basically an immortal mindset. And I guess that sense of mortality is what started to create a chain of events that led me to appreciating life so much more. It made me realize how delicate and short and fleeting this life really is. Regardless of some of the spiritual beliefs that I have now that you know really embody the fact that we may get another go around at this when we pass on, um, you know, Einstein, his his statement uh, really solidifies that for me, where energy cannot be created or destroyed, it can only be transferred. And it's not philosophy, it's, it's physics. We might get another shot at this again, but, you know, honestly, we don't remember it because I don't remember the last go around if there was one before this. Uh, you know, some people, I guess, have those gifts. I don't. So we have to do a lot with the time we have left. I need to spend up those daily 86,000 seconds per day because... You don't get a chance to take those seconds with you from one day to the next. You know, the old saying, time is money, but money cannot buy you more time. And that was such an important realization for me that every minute needs to be spent doing something that's meaningful. And we don't get to do that at least the 40 hours worth a week if you're fortunate enough that you can work a job where you feel like you're you're living your dream. Kudos to you. And most of us are striving to get there. I know I am as well. And it's probably why I bombard myself with so many things that I do. You know, people look at me and are like, how do you manage the podcast and a full-time job that drives you, you know, drains a life out of you pretty much. And then you have your part-time political thing. You have your family that you still spend a ton of time with. Um, you know, you, you do your self-help stuff. You stay healthy. You, you, you don't neglect yourself either. I mean, it means that I get every minute out of every day. It means being about as organized as you possibly can because you have to go from one thing to the next. You literally are like the rolling stone that doesn't grow any moss. You, you can't sit still if you want to do this kind of stuff and live this kind of life. And being organized, I'll tell you the truth, is one of the biggest pieces of the puzzle that I'm trying to still incorporate into my life because I'm quite the cluster uh, right now and I have been for like the last year. Um, again, best teach what we need to learn, right? I'm struggling with that still. And, you know, the changing priorities doesn't allow you to really slow down and get things organized. Sometimes you don't even get to complete something. Um, but, you know, that's my current life lesson among many others that I have going on. But I guess the sense of urgency of time in this life is what drives me the most and appreciating the gift of whatever amount of time I have left. You know, at age 30, when the second cancer hit, I didn't know if I was going to make it to 40. That's why when I hit 40 last year, it was such a gift. I thought 40 would suck because 30, hitting 30 was really rough for me. And anybody who's been there, I don't know if it was the same for you, but 30 was tough. 40 was nothing. 40 was more of a celebration than anything because I didn't know it was going to even be in the cards for me. The doctor, when I asked him, am I going to make it to 40 when I was 30 years old, gave me like a really uncertain sort of scary answer. And that, that motivated me. Um, but really, it was it was... Such a huge thing to, to hear a doctor say, you know, you just need to, to live life to its fullest because you don't know if you're going to make it there. You know, this thing may not go away. This may be, you know, something that starts to downfall and you just need to be as healthy and, and be as grateful for life as you can. That changed my life. But what I want to save everybody is having that experience to make it change your life. I don't want you to have to go through that because it, it was horrendous. I wouldn't give up that experience for the world because I didn't really have anybody in my position in my life at that time to teach me that lesson. Cancer had to teach me that lesson. But it shouldn't have to teach everybody that lesson. It's a hard one to learn. I wouldn't ever want to go through it again, but 
I'm very grateful for the fact that I did go through it because it left me in the perspective that I am currently at right now. But here I am, 40 years old this year, waking up with gratitude for every day and closing every day with gratitude for the experiences that I had, no matter what happened. Because I honestly don't want to know what the alternative is of not having experiences at all. You know, you have to consider that. Every day you get the gift of life and you need to take advantage of that and appreciate it and do the best that you currently can with it. I want to play a very quick video. Um, this is one that I, I listen to fairly often when, when I kind of need a, a, a pick-me-up. Um, Jay Shetty is one of my favorite motivational speakers. Uh, he's a motivational and philosophical speaker and he talks about the value of the moments in our lives and sort of the deposit that we get to make every day or that gets made every day into our bank account of moments that we get to spend and every day we get that gift but that bank account is an accumulative one it has to be spent that day because the next day you're going to get that deposit again um but he says it a lot better than i can so check this out when asked what's the biggest mistake we make in life the buddha replied the biggest mistake is you think you have time. Time is free, but it's priceless. You can't own it, but you can use it. You can't keep it, but you can spend it. And once it's lost, you can never get it back. The average person lives 78 years. We spend 28.3 years of our life sleeping. That's almost a third of our life but 30% of us struggle to sleep well. We spend 10.5 years of our life working, but over 50% of us want to leave our current jobs. Time is more valuable than money. You can get more money, but you can never get more time. We spend nine years on TV and social media. We spend six years doing chores. We spend four years eating and drinking. We spent three and a half years in education. We spent two and a half years grooming. We spent two and a half years shopping. We spent one and a half years in childcare and we spent 1.3 years commuting. That leaves us with nine years. How will we spend that time? Steve Jobs said your time is limited so don't waste it living someone else's life. So there's good news and there's bad news. The bad news is time flies. The good news is you're the pilot. Imagine you wake up every day with $86,400 in your bank account. And at the end of the night, it's all gone, whether you spent it or not. And then the next day, you get another $86,400. What would we do with it? Every day, 86,400 seconds are deposited into your life account. At the end of the day, once they're all used up, you get a new 86,400 seconds. We would never waste it if it was money. So why do we waste it when it comes to time? Those seconds are so much more powerful than dollars because you can always make more dollars. You can't always make more time. To realize the value of one year, ask a student who failed a grade. To realize the value of one month, ask a mother who lost her child in the final month. To realize the value of one week, ask the editor of an online magazine. To realize the value of one hour, ask the couple who's in a long distance relationship. To realize the value of one minute, 
ask the person who just missed a bus, train or plane. To realize the value of one second, ask the person who just missed an accident. And to realize the value of a millisecond, ask the person who just came second at the Olympics. We think that it's people wasting our time, but it's really us giving them the permission to do that. And in reality, these two people live inside us. Don't let someone be a priority when all you are to them is an option. Some of us lose the people most important to us because we don't value their time. Some of us don't recognize how important someone is to us until they're gone. Inside all of us, are two voices. One voice that wants to uplift, one voice that wants us to expand, one voice that wants us to grow. And then there's the other voice, the voice that holds us back, the voice that makes us lazy, the voice that makes us complacent, the voice that restricts us from our potential. Every day from the moment we wake up to the moment we go to sleep, inside of us there's this battle between the two voices. And guess which one wins? the one that we listen to the most, the one that we feed, the one that we amplify. It is our choice of how we use our time. Life and time are the best two teachers. Life teaches us to make good use of time and time teaches us the value of life. And as William Shakespeare said, time is very slow for those who want, very fast for those who are scared, very long for those who are sad, very short for those who celebrate, but for those who love, time is eternal. Eighty-six thousand seconds, spend them wisely. And that's why I cram so much into every day. I want to spend up that account every day and leave as little on the table as I possibly could. If I could get away with it, I wouldn't even sleep, I swear. Um, but that, that, that's huge, actually. It's a, an important part of health and success is being well-rested and sleeping a lot. So don't listen to a single person who brags about not sleeping enough. Um, it's not admirable at all. Get eight hours of sleep. Don't cut your corners when it comes to that. Um, I do every single week. I still cut the corners, even though I know better not to. And it, it really does lead to less of a cognitive ability. It leads to less recovery from workouts. It can actually make you put on weight and stresses your body out. You know, it leads to damaged DNA when you have that stress, which shortens your telomeres, which can shorten your lifespan. So just knowing that, I have to I have to govern how much sleep that I get and get quality sleep. Approaching life with drive and meaning means more than just how much you can grind out. You have to balance things out a lot. You know, the work has to equal the recovery. You know, the grind has to equal some forms of of recreation. You need that polarity in your life to balance things out. I mean, my days aren't fulfilling if I just grind out the entire day and I don't do, if I have to miss a meditation in the morning, um, I'm carrying that with me the rest of my day. I miss something. I, I didn't get that done for myself. If I skip the gym, I carry that with me. I have a sense of guilt. If I don't have time with my family, uh, a significant amount of time, I have that to carry with me. I make the rounds and I try and spread myself around and make as much meaning and purpose to the things that matter to me and my obligations. And... We don't get to carry that on to the next day. You know, I guess you can spend more time with your family tomorrow. I guess if you miss the, the couple of hours you spent today, you can maybe spend four with them tomorrow. Problem with that mindset is, though, you're not guaranteed that deposit of those 86,000 seconds tomorrow. You've got it today, and you have to spend that wisely. 
you know, people who say there, there is no tomorrow. Um, there really isn't. There's only a now. And you have to spend that time now. You have to spend it wisely. When I, when I heard this concept for the first time of the, the deposit of the seconds that we get out of every day, it really, really rang true for me. That one really, really stuck with me for a very long time. And I think that's why I revisit it all the time because time management is, is a huge thing in my life, obviously, with what I've, what I've told you. So knowing how important spending up those seconds is, I guess just makes me put the phone down when I've kind of been like glared over at it for a while. It makes me procrastinate a heck of a lot less. It makes me um, do things that really aren't going to add at the end of my day when I look back on the day. It's not going to make me look back and say, I'm glad I did that. If I know that something is going to make me have some sort of a regret at the end of the day, um, I immediately cut it short. And I get distracted a lot during the day, and I, I take, again, that higher meaning and purpose out of almost everything. And when I get distracted, I, I take a moment to take stock of what I'm doing right then. And if I get distracted while I'm sitting or flipping through pointless TikToks or something like that, I put the phone down and get back to what it is I was supposed to be doing. Um, so yeah, those little tips. There's so many different small little things. Um, but spending up those seconds and making sure that at the end of the day, when when all of those seconds are spent, you're happy with the way you spend every single one of those. You have no buyer's remorse on how you spent those seconds. Yeah, but appreciate the gift of life. We have this one, maybe more, but we have this one right now, and it's the one that matters. Don't wait for something to be taken from you to appreciate it. Don't wait for it to start running out. Don't wait toward the end of your life like a lot of people do on their deathbed. Don't wait until things get so rough or you run out of time to realize how much you should have appreciated the time that you had when you had it. Don't let someone leave your life before you appreciate them. Be there now. Be there for your kids because they grow up so fast. Um, I'm so fortunate that I've been there with my son through everything because I just, I'm blown away at how fast his childhood is going by. And I only have one, um, but be there, be there for every moment that you can. So I'm gonna make this episode sort of shorter. Um, I'm going to leave you with a song from Eula on this one. This is actually the first song I heard from him. Um, and it's actually my favorite one. This one's called Fade Away. Until next time. Keep living that gift of life before it fades away. We'll see you next time.